You're listening to Inclusive AF with Jackie Clayton and Katie Van Horn. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Katie Van Horn. <laughs> and this is Jackie Clayton. Hello. Welcome. Hello. And this is the Inclusive AF podcast, folks, in case you don't know. If you now don't you know, know, now you know. Sucka. Um, <laughs> all right. So <laughs> that seems like a great way to start this. Uh, yeah. So we are going to talk about building trust with employees. So um, I wanted to talk about this. So I'll, this was, this was my, this is my, that I threw out Jackie five minutes for topic. <laughs> Um, that's how we roll around here. Yep. So I want to talk about this because I think one of the pieces that gets missed in the DEI strategy is the prep work you need to do with employees to start that work. And what I mean by that is having the trust of your employees so that when you start to talk about these different topics, they feel comfortable asking questions and being uncomfortable and being vulnerable. And you as a leader or as an organization feel comfortable not having all the answers and um, having frank conversations with folks. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about kind of how do you build trust in an organization and how you built that, excuse me, that credibility so that you can start to do this work. So it's kind of the, before you do the work, what work do you need to do? Well, and let's start with how do you lose trust? And then we can get into how you can build trust. Because I was laughing when you gave me that. The first thing I looked up was Sherm. And we know that the CEO, like Sherm used to have a lot of trust. A lot of people trusted it. And then they got kind of a um, uh, a CEO that ha had a, a different thought process than a lot of its members. I think I don't even know if it's a lot of its members, but some people didn't trust. And it, but it's interesting how fast you can go from loving an organization and giving your heart to being uh, untrustful or un thinking an organization is untrustworthy in a short, short amount of time. So let's stick with Sherm for a minute. So I think the the pieces that for me personally, I'm going to tell you my personal thoughts on the the Sherm. Uh, where they are today and how they got there. Um, in case so, you don't know, SHRM is the Society of Human Resource Management. And it's it's kind of the industry group for HR folks. And so most everyone that's in HR at one point or another was a member of SHRM, mm -hmm. or that was like the group to be a part of. And that has changed drastically in the last few years. And I think that the first piece to the puzzle was when they decided to really focus on making money. Mm -hmm. And and that became kind of one of the leading drivers, I feel like, because you had a, a, a certification group, which was HRCI. And HRCI was the, the group that you got your PHR, SPHR, global PHR from. Um, and those are certifications for HR folks. And I feel like that when that started to shift that that Sherm wanted to take over those certifications and it just felt like a money grab to me personally i don't know if if you felt the same way but i've had my certification for years and years and years um and it kind of was like i don't want to have to get certified with two different organizations and so i stayed with hrci mm -hmm. But you also could kind of grandfather into, which I know is not an appropriate term. Saying, we're not you, supposed to use that phrase anymore. You could get your SHRM certification if you had your HRCI certification. But even that, it was just like more paperwork to do. Um, and so that was the first thing for me. And that just kind of, it kind of, it wasn't like, oh, this is a huge deal. It was more like it left a bad taste in my mouth. And then it shifted when Johnny C. Taylor became the CEO. Yeah. And then it became like a, what in the world is going on here? Because it just felt <laughs> right. like he, it was the Johnny show. And I think, but part of it, it came out of 
not being at one point everybody felt like they had a little bit of sherm right every they had a sherm chapter in every locale even in cute little old waco texas you had conferences statewide regionally you had people that were really their main piece was sharing content and information so that we can better service employees across the globe like i felt like that mm -hmm. was that's my in case you were wondering that's my husband everyone say hi to todd's elbow Todd's um, arm. Hi, Todd's so, arm. Hi, Todd's arm. Um, and so. <laughs> okay, stop petting Jackie. Stop, stop please. Stop. That's weird. That's um, awkward. He's a ghost. <laughs> um, and then what happened later is it was at the same time where as soon as everyone kind of gave a good faith and in, in assuming positive intent, it changed and nobody knew that this was happening. It was like all of a sudden, this is the way it is. These are the rules. This is our belief system. And people were just like, wait a minute, nobody asked me. Now, the organization and the people within the organization as a whole, I think, still have that intent. But it's just the messaging that is coming forward. It makes people curious. And I think that's what happens in organizations um, and why diversity gets such a, a where people are trusting or not trusting because all of a sudden something that became that nobody ever talked about wasn't a concern no one felt was important became item number one and people didn't trust because it's like wait i was black last year like i love it you know it's kind of cringy for me when people are like well since george floyd and it's like p.s i was black before george floyd i was you know god rest his soul still black and I would think that you would have other examples and reasons to make those changes. And then for other people, especially black people are like, does somebody have to die in order for us to make changes internally? That's a little unfortunate because I don't trust you because you never had a concern. And if your response is that, it made it uncomfortable. On the other side, you had people who have been loyal to organizations and knew that they were going to get their next step in an organization feel like, Oh, now I can't. I stayed here for nothing and I'm going to lose my job to a, a more diverse candidate because I don't trust you because you said all of these things but didn't acknowledge me, which is why inclusion and belonging is so important. Yes. I'm going to, I have a couple comments on what you just said though. So you, I know that the George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, some of the social justice, Black Lives Matter movement, all of those things, I do believe that it should have been taken care of. It should have been a, a focus area. It should have been a business imperative prior to those things occurring. However, it wasn't. And so it, I, I am at the place where I'm like, I fully appreciate what you're saying on, I was black before that and you didn't care. But I also think it's the, you know, kind of the Maya Angelou, now that I know better, I do better. And I feel like that co uh, companies have evolved to oh, wow, this was just a nice to have thing that HR did. Now it's like, oh no, we need to do this because our employees are talking about it, care about it. We'll leave the company if we are not focused on it. So I feel more like it's a, the company has finally realized that it's not just, hey, I was black before, but it's also, I am black and I care about these things in an organization that I am going to support and work for. And that's the difference is, do you do it? And that's the quote, um, I think it was James, um, he said, I forgot his last name, it's, it's passing me and I'll remember in a second, but he said, I can't believe what you say because I see what you do. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the reason that we're seeing so such mistrust in this area because some I can't trust what you say because I do see what you do. Other ones, it's, you know, I, I'm not seeing what you do. Mm -hmm. I'm not seeing anything. And so right. that's why we have to make sure that um, we're not performative in, in our actions and supporting any group. For sure. And I think that's the piece that for me, when it comes to the breakdown of trust, I think they're for so many organizations, they've had values, but it's been a poster on a wall that's or right. it's been on their badge or it's been just, oh yeah, we have those values again over there in the corner that HR takes care of, but no one really pays attention to. And this workforce that we have today currently is like, no, we want to make sure that those values actually are real and are how we're living and how we're doing work. And I think, you know, the companies that come to mind, you know, Ben and Jerry's, Patagonia, you, you have some of these companies that have taken stances and have done things to say, 
we're not just saying that we will make business decisions that may impact us financially in the short run to to make a statement that's the right statement and to be on the right side of history in the long term and so we're I don't willing know to saw. do that yeah I, 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 but i think one of it is making sure and this can be scary for some organizations of letting them know where we're going what our plan is when it's going to be impacted and this is important for everyone because especially those of us that are in this work where it's like okay when are we doing this how are we doing this why are we doing this um and put it on your wall so you can remember those days when you're like i don't know why i'm doing this or i'm not sure if i'm doing the right thing um in alignment because and that's the really the easiest way because you say it's not a plan without dates and times and consequences smart goals smart tell them what smart stands for what is it specific measurable achievable r is <laughs> i, I forget what r is and timely rational um no. hold on specific measurable achievable realistic realistic thing i, I was thinking <laughs> i had a lot of r words floating my, through my head so what's funny is that my old boss used to make fun of me about smart goals because he like one day we were sitting there and started mansplaining what smart goals were and i like deadpanned <laughs> like are you out of your ever loving mind and other words came out that are not appropriate for our airwaves today um anyhow so no i agree like i think it's the tell us what the plan is Mm -hmm. have a plan first and then tell us what it is that's right but i think that's for every business like not just around diversity equity and inclusion like what is the company trying to do and i think that like so many companies has been this like almost bait and switch like oh yes. you just go build the widget and don't worry about what the rest of the company's doing and it's like well that doesn't work anymore that's but right. for me like the trust piece i think it starts at the team level Mm -hmm. And, you know, do you have a frontline leader and a group of peers that you feel like you can trust to get the work done, to do what they say they're going to do, and, and a, a leader that you can trust? And this kind of goes to the, and I think you and I have talked about this before, like having those one-on-one -on -one with your team members, and, you know, you can have a lot of different types of one-on-ones. You can have the check-in status update, what's going on, like, what are you doing with your projects? You can have that developmental one-on-one, -on -one, hey, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? How do we get you there? And then you can also have the sounding board one-on-one, -on -one, which is like, hey, I just need to vent. I don't need you to give me a response. I don't need you to take any action. I just need to come in here and tell you my feelings on something that are mm -hmm. deep and, and I need to get this out and do it in a safe place in your office or whatever it might be. You know, and this is not employees go yell at your boss on the floor. This is, you know, in your one-on-one -on -one behind closed doors saying to them, hey, I need to vent or, hey, I need to just have a sounding board here that you know, respond to this, but also I just need to get it out. I think that along verbal. with that is making sure that you upskill your managers now that you've given them something new to add mm -hmm. to their plate. Um, we know this is a really stressful time and we've all added a lot on our plate. Um, and so it's important to make sure everybody has the skills, which brings me to, um, you know, upskilling your managers and making sure that it's equitable that we don't treat everyone equally, that we treat everyone equitably, because some people say, hey, how did you get training? And I didn't get training. It's like, oh, well, you have your master's degree in this. And this person doesn't have any training and formal training in this. We're starting here. These are the what we're making sure that we're all on the same page. Like we're going to make sure that you get what you are needing and finding out to your point in talking and having some of those one on ones. What do you actually need to be successful? Um, and and do that i think we're asking a lot of employees to bring their best selves to work but without asking what does it take in order for you to feel comfortable what can i do to make sure that you feel like and it's not even being it's it's how you can be your best self at work not bring you know i i ain't bringing all of it to work but i think that's no. a that's why people are asking that too because they don't feel they don't realize this is a trust issue the trust mm -hmm. concern. Yeah. And I think, yes, I think that's one of the second pieces is just that bringing your whole self to work. And what does that really mean? And, and there are going to be things that a, as the leader, as a team, you're like, yeah, I don't want that part of you to come to work. You don't. And then there's other parts. It's also the, yeah, I don't want to show that to you at work and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also like, I think just having a leader that is able 
to your point that has the skills and it's for me it's kind of that emotional intelligence the self-awareness the ability to read the room the ability to read their employees and like know when the right time is to have certain conversations and not demanding or forcing issues that maybe it's not the right time it's kind of the hey asking someone if you can give them feedback not just giving them feedback without knowing kind of where they are headspace wise um but i think there's also a piece here that it's just the when you are making a plan that our piece of you know realistic the one i couldn't remember um <laughs> being realistic on timing from a change management perspective because here's the thing i know i have so many conversations with people of color like how freaking long is this going to take like we have been waiting forever for this there's that balance you have to strike between that which you're like yeah we should already be at equality we should be working on equity now to, you know to your just previous point but then there's also the how much change can the organization take it at a time right and making sure you're being thoughtful about that because there's so much else going on outside of the four walls of work so making sure that you're bringing every, everyone along on the on this journey of inclusion on this journey of you know it's not hey we're going to leave the white males behind and one of the things i do with like the faqs that i give to all my leaders it's a question of i'm a white male i'm a straight white male what does this mean to me now like does this mean i should just go ahead and quit and like and i think that's such a valid question and it's such an important yeah. question to talk about and bring up because that is not what we're trying to drive this is not if you're a straight white male you now need to go away at all it is how do we bring more people and more voices and more ideas and more innovation to the table to make things even better and so it's it's the whole idea and it's this thing that i talk about and you and i know i know i've talked about it is okay so once you have a diverse team now what because mm -hmm. it's not just going to be sunshine and rainbows so and everyone's not. cool and there's all. a bias against diversity because of that mm -hmm. um right. and that which is very difficult and and going back on that one of the things that i hear about a lot from a lot of people that think that they're being their allies or think that they want to do is they'll say oh well nobody wants who wants to hear from a you know middle-aged white guy about diversity and i always say i i do i do i fully do um because i i have had friends in situations where I think I'm a part of a conversations where I kind of snuck into conversations that I didn't know. And so I couldn't address some of the issues and concerns among white males because I'm not a white male and I don't know what they were feeling. And so I had to find uh, white males that I trusted and felt confident um, that they were going to be honest and trustworthy and not just give me lip service um, because they went to one of my webinars and they knew what I was going to ask. Like I wanted to know, and that is a, it's a real fear. Some of it has been fears that people who've been marginalized have been experiencing for decades. And I think that's part of the conversation. I can discuss why this is frightening for you. I can understand why this must be concerning for you. Um, and it's why me and a particular friend, he asked me once a quarter, like, do you feel safe? I don't know when he's going to stop asking me that question, but he always asks me, do you feel safe? And I'll be like, no, I don't feel safe. And I think it's usually after he thinks something happened that I should feel safe. -er. Um, and we go over that. But I think the trust, again, it comes out of feeling safe. And part, another part, especially when we're in these hybrid work environments, is being fully transparent. This is what we said we were going to do. This is what we actually did. This is the impact that it's had and whether that was right or wrong. Um, I was uh, talking to um, uh, the head diversity person at Cisco. We were just having kind of a friendly conversation. Um, and they asked me a question about uh have you ever had something that that didn't go the way you expected and when i explained to them like my hypothesis was not only wrong it was dead wrong and my hypothesis like the re the reality was the exact opposite and she <laughs> was like oh it sounds like it was a bad time i was like no this was a complete failure and it was epic um and uh, so then all of a sudden she and i were talking more about 
those situations. Like she thought it was like the best thing she'd ever heard only because people don't usually say, oh yeah, I fouled that up. And that, but then I explained, but those are the lessons that I learned from that. A couple of them I've repeated a couple of times. I didn't learn the first time, but let me tell you the things that I will absolutely never do ever again um, that I learned from this exercise. And I think so many times people are so afraid of looking wrong that they can't say, oh, we said we were going to increase diversity by 30%. We're not going to be able to meet that goal this year. Let me explain to you why we think we're unable, especially asking for help. Maybe there's something that somebody else has to offer. Um, what we're going to do to address those things uh, and how we come out of it. That's what we ask in every situation. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it could be like, why'd you choose that color? People want to know why, what you hope to gain, what's going to be the effect, how is that going to go moving forward? Um, I think some of that is just business acumen and maturity, but people have a tendency to be um, the bias that we talk about all the time. They'll create those biases because they're at home by themselves in their offices, living rooms and kitchens and bedrooms, kind of chewing on information that they don't have. So I think transparency is key to earning trust in the workplace. Yeah, I just think about my own, like, I am, I, I believe that I am someone that like is trustworthy from the get go until you prove me wrong, or, or do something to make me mistrust you. Um, I hope that that is how I am like, but I think maybe there are circumstances where that's not the case, but I also trust my gut. Um, and so like, for me, I think that the ways that leaders have made me feel or built trust with me is exactly what you're saying, like that transparency and that trust in me, that trusting another to gain trust, if that makes sense, it's kind of the, you know, respecting another to gain respect. Um, You know, being able to say to someone, I respect you and I value your opinion and I trust you so that they maybe will in turn feel the same way and, and act the same way towards you. But I also think it is the I like to be relied upon. I like to be that, that expert. I like to be recognized in a certain way. And so I think those are other things. It's almost like the leader getting to know me and getting to know each one of the team members to know what are those things that, you know, it's, you know, what are the, the, the love language that they respond to the most, if you will. Um, but like in a business setting, um, but also, you know, how do you start to think about, so just to clarify what I meant by that for love languages, one of them is touch. And so obviously in a personal or in a business setting, touch cannot be one of the love languages, just as an no. FYI, just, sorry, yeah. I should have mentioned that. Um, I, yeah, just <laughs> want to clarify that. Um, but I also think there's this piece of when you start to talk about diversity, you know, me being that expert or being the person that's relied upon, you have to step back from that a little bit and go, yeah, you can't have your favorites. You can't have your, that's the one I always go to. You have to have more than one of those and you have to have everyone on your team be that in some form or fashion. And, and that takes getting to know your team and getting to know how they can all become favorites. How can they all become experts? And so giving them opportunities to show off their skills, but also giving them opportunities to receive trust from you. And Mm -hmm. it's the, it's a whole idea also of like, you know, as a parent, you know, it's like, if you just let your kids run wild without any expectations, without any boundaries, they're not going to feel safe. They're not going to feel love. They're not going to feel like they need those boundaries. They need those things in place to know that you're paying attention and that you care about them. And that, you know, even in their teenage years, when you kind of want to beat them most of the time, <laughs> no. you still are letting them know, yes, you do have a curfew. Yes, you do need to check in. Yes, you do know, you know, you need to do these things. And I know talking about kids right now is probably not the best thing since both your babies are I know. off adventuring right now. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's the I do. You know, giving your I do. kids, giving your employees boundaries and expectations. And then, and this is something like, I, I think I've said this to you before. My dad was never a, I'm mad at you or anything like that, it was, I'm disappointed in you. And that was like, you know, a punch to the gut. And there's nothing worse that he could have said when you did something that he didn't want you to do, or that again, he was disappointed in. 
Um, and it's because the fact that like the expectation was clear on how he wanted us to perform, behave, act, etc. And it's, I don't even, I think this is like a Jim Brown thing, coach Jim Brown. It's the, you know, um, protect the, uh, uh what is the saying? I have, I have to, to look it up. It. It's <laughs> the, like, I take care of your family, take care of the team, take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. but that's not what the actual saying is. Um, I'll have to think of it, but basically it's that whole idea of like you, you take care of your people and you take care of yourself and how you show up. And, and so it's like one of those, like, and it might've been like, what's the Penn state guy. Not so great guy. Oh, Jimmy um, Christmas. Um, I know. I know. I'm like, <laughs> I'll, you know what? I'm going to text one of my siblings while we continue this. Um, right. <laughs> but anyways, trust. no, I do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We out. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. I fully, I know where you're going and I feel like that. And I think one thing that's important is as leaders, when you're coming to, um, when you're leading an organization or a project, you know, I, I feel like the best way to, uh, if when you have an elephant in the room, the best way to deal with an elephant in the room is to invite them, right? Introduce them. Like, hello, this is the elephant in the room. And to be able to write those things down. I know that I have certain biases. Um, if you've been to any of my sessions, you might have heard, or webinars or anything like that, you might have heard me talk about how I find myself, when I really love a company, doing, like, getting really excited, talking longer, asking more questions about the company. I know that that's something, and that if I don't, like, like aren't aware of the company, it's something that I had to make myself aware of. But I also recognize that I might feel a certain kind of way about somebody that is fully my issue, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm trying to lead this group, but they remind me of Jessica. I have to write it down so I can say, don't treat that. This is not Jessica, right? It's like, this is not Jessica from the fifth grade who like made fun of you. This is not the same person, whatever you're feeling. And so if we are going to treat people the same in an equitable manner, we won't say the same because it's not equality, but if we're going to treat people in that way, know that you might have a biases towards that person that you have to deal with. Um, I'll never forget, like, when I met somebody who had to process and interpret information and get back to me, now is something that I do, but it used to get, kill me. Like, I really thought a person didn't know what they were talking about because they would take like 24 hours to for the, what I thought was the simplest thing. Um, and so I had to realize that the way I felt about them um, was was my issue. It wasn't their issue. I needed to allow them to process. And it take it took time to learn that so that we could build that trust because I was feel we were both feeling um untrusted because I was like, you should have been listening. Why do you need 24 hours to process what I said? Like you've heard what I said. Um, and they were like, why are you trying to, I feel like you're forcing me into a decision I'm not ready to make. So we had to learn those things. And so I think, especially because we're not having a lot of face-to-face -face interaction, um, it's important that you make yourself aware and this is something that we do with diversity work all the time is making yourself aware of what your biases may be uh, and address those from the beginning um one of the things there's a game called we're not really strangers and it says i 
I was just looking at it. It says stop carrying old feelings into new experiences. And I think we do that a lot in leadership and it does affect our ability to trust certain groups or leaders or situations. We need to make sure and see what part do we own in that situation. And I think that's a piece that is missing so often. Um, it just, it is missing and it is something that is not a focus for so many people. And I think that's where we run into issues is that there is this just focus on me and self versus looking around you and kind of saying, you know, what else are, what else should I be thinking about? What else should I be taking into consideration? What is my bias telling me all of those things that people just, they don't do, they don't take care of. I think also people are more trusting if you take into consideration their the their full situations um, and save people saving people from themselves. Like I'll give you an example. Like um, some of us are getting our COVID shot, right? And people would say, "Oh, I'm going to go get my COVID shot." Um, as a leader, you can say, "Why don't you take Wednesday off?" I see, I know you're getting your COVID shot. Why don't you go ahead and take Wednesday off? Like give people the, the ability to take care of themselves um, and that you've acknowledged and you understand what they're saying and what that means, even if they don't want to, just take the, just take the time off just in case, right? Or why don't we have a conversation or something came up in the news um, or something came up in the world, let's have a conversation of it proactively is a is an approach where I think a lot of employees will say, oh, I didn't realize um, we, we felt heard. I felt heard uh, most recently with everything going on in Afghanistan, not making a political statement or doing those things. But I did know that we had some veterans at our organization that had fought in the in um, the war. And so I wanted to make a statement saying that we see you, we know that you did everything that you that you could, and we are really thankful for your service. And uh, they were like came to me crying and they were so thankful because they didn't know where to go or how to feel about the situation. And it was personal for them, for all of the rest of us that didn't fight in the war, it was real easy to be like, oh, what's going on? And, and without considering that it meant just as much to some of our coworkers as some um, family members that people had there because they felt like they had another family, but we weren't acknowledging that. They didn't know where to go. And I know there's organizations still where that are not nurturing their veterans and their organizations that can be going through a tough time right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad you brought that up because I know we, I know we sometimes forget about somebody like, this is such a personal one for so many people and there are lives that have been lost and there are things that have impacted folks and acknowledging that and just saying like again are you okay and not forcing them to speak not forcing them to talk about it not forcing any of that but just saying i see you i know that this is something that impacts you and i know that this is something that you know we need to acknowledge but I think the that's the way you build trust too. It like in it, and, and I'll give you another example. So that one I think is a great example. Like, hey, I was not in the war in Afghanistan. I was I am not a veteran, but I can say to someone who was or who is, I'm thinking about you. I know this is a really hard time, and if you need to talk, if you need anything, I'm here please know that your hard work and what you did, your sacrifices did not go unnoticed. And, and that again, is just another way to acknowledge and see. And I think that's part of the trust piece too, is Absolutely. acknowledging what someone has experienced. And this also goes to the, you know, for so many victims of different things at work, discrimination, bias, harassment, whatever, that acknowledgement of I'm listening, I hear you, I believe you. That's important. I just think we okay, had a it. Scooby. Scooby that was actually Chi Chi. So oh, we'll talk about okay. Yeah, she just felt neglected. She's Chi Chi did not feel trusted. We trust, heard her trusted. We hear we you, Chi Chi. Door open. We know. Thank you. We know the, the new baby is driving you crazy. That's we understand. Right. 
Um, <laughs> anyhow, um, like I think that's just one of the pieces to the acknowledgement, listening, and believing. We're having a really way. hard time with that right now. I think, um, and in a lot of different spaces, we're trying to speak up in organizations and be respectful. And there's so many divisive things um, right now that people are really confused. And I just think um, it's important to the people that you care about that you open up and like let have a conversation. And I think it's important that we do some of that at work, um, even though maybe five years ago, I wouldn't have said that it's important to deal with those things. But now I feel like we're in a different, um, we're in a different time and we are spending more time. We, if we, ha we always spent more time before um, mm -hmm. five years ago with people at work, but now really for a good year, for most of us, the only people we interacted with was the people at work and our close friends and family. Mm -hmm. And so it became just an extension of whatever is going on in your life. It's actually, it's interesting because um, I feel like, and a part of it is because I work from home, I'm a, a solopreneur. I, all of, you know, all of the reasons why I, do feel like that trust piece and helping leaders with trust is so critical is because there is such a i am all alone in in the work right. i do but and obviously you know i rely heavily on you and on robin and on other folks in regards to the work stuff i have an amazing family and you know rely on them i have an amazing group of friends and and so there is this where can you find trust and if you don't trust the people that you work with that yet to your point because of the time especially right now and i mean and i think we all know so many people that have like never met in real life their coworkers. i've never met any of my coworkers right now right never except like, for jeremy because i've worked with them for a million years right but right other right. than that never met him in person and i always laugh i'm like oh you're so much bigger than 300 by 300 pixels i had no idea <laughs> like you were tall you had legs right. i've never seen right. your legs um, I did not know how tall I did, you were. I did not. I didn't want to make the assumption. Um, and there's so many, I think that you're like, you're saying it's, we, we haven't met those people. And I have, uh, you know, we'll be announcing things later. But you remember that during this, that we've been dealing with most recently through pandemic, George Floyd, and, you know, capital riots, you know, name it, just put it on the list, all of those things. Mm -hmm. um, I also lost a job, found a job, switched a job during that whole time frame. And the, the thing that was different when I think about all of my leaders that I've respected is that they've all taken the time um, to interact and speak Jackie, which they all have to by duress. <laughs> Even if they don't want to, but when you find out that people actually take the time, um, here's an example of something that happened more recently. So we, um, Katie mentioned just a little bit, like, so both my kids are in college, so they're out of the house for the first time. Um, I literally cried in the Kentucky Fried Chicken drive-through on Friday, which is a whole <laughs> different. Well, that's a whole different podcast. Um, mm -hmm. But last week, so at my company, we do an all hands every week where they have on the company. And part of the all hands, I said, uh, they said that we that our team was expanding and growing and we were adding four new members to the team. And we found out that one person's wife's having a baby like next month, somebody else is having a baby and somebody else is pregnant with twins, right, for the organization. And then somebody acknowledged, and we have several on the team whose children have, like, we also have two married. We've also expanded because we've got two son-in-laws that entered our family. And a lot of us have children that have gone on to college because that was important. Like, I could not, this past week, if you would have said, how do I raise my children? I would have no words. I'd be like, don't have children because they'll leave you and break your heart. That's what I would have told everyone. <laughs> 
who is considered those sons of guns they're like how dare um, they grow up and go to college like do you cut the ends off the bread jackie that was a little deep like that's all i wanted to know but i mean for someone to acknowledge that i might be feeling some kind of way based on that is important so then you trust that they were listening and i think active listening is something that is important for trust I heard what you said, acknowledging is repeating it back. Is this actually what you said? Did I hear that correctly? Um, and addressing and even better for to build trust is when you go back three weeks later, how is your mom doing? I know we talked about her last month. People, uh, my mom, as, as people, especially our listeners know, um, has, um, dementia and has Parkinson's. And so when people ask me about my mom, not only do I cry, but I am also very happy that someone else acknowledged her, right? And they acknowledge my feelings and they, and it means that they keep that into consideration because what we used to not do is like, now you're at work, you're mine. So we keep everything out of these walls. Here, we only talk about work, keep your family out, right? But now we don't do that and we can't do that. It's, I see all of you. If you're gonna ask people to bring their whole selves to work, you have to acknowledge and maintain a relationship with all the parts and all of them, right? So you can't just blow those things off. What are, did you literally like a cat? Like, what no, are you doing? I, no, <laughs> Olive was rubbing up against my water cup. And so there's cat hair everywhere. And I just like took a sip and realized I have cat hair in my mouth. So my apologies that I'm like, I accept all of you and that hair. Thank you. They, and Olive as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's actually happy because um, the little maniac is locked up in her kennel. Uh, my sweet little puppy who just uh, during our last episode of recording decided to tear up a few things is in her kennel sleeping right now. And so Olive is free, freedom, freedom, freedom. Um, anyhow, so I, I think the other piece, I, I, I love what you're saying there, because I think the other piece to that is also um, and Tamara Raspberry actually posted something about this the other day, which I think is really important. Um, in HR specifically, we are kind of conditioned to have a dual life. Mm -hmm. And it's the, you have to be strong, you have to toe the company line, you have to be that person for every employee that needs you. And God forbid you share anything about yourself or what might be going on with you. That's right. And, and how HR folks are, it's almost that dual life that you lead that like once you're outside of the four walls. And I used to joke around about it a lot, like, you know, who you are outside of HR. And cause you know, the, the joke is that HR uh, folks are the, you know, loudest, most Balanced. cussing, drinking, like oh, just disgusting. crazy folks. <laughs> Just kidding. Just <laughs> no, but no, like, we trust like each other. Rowdy bunch. That's what it and is. So, yes, they're a rowdy bunch because we trust each other. We know you're not going to judge us for it. We're, you're going to, we know you're going to keep a secret. We know you're going to call us on our, our stuff that you see. That's how it is within human resources. And it's the only place we can be like that because you go back to work and you tow the company line and you have to exactly. And so, and I think that's the piece is that right now, it's almost, you know, we haven't had those conferences and those places to go just, you know, lay your hair down, whatever the expression is. Because of that, like HR folks are probably even more not sensitive, but like it's been a harder job. They're recently. burnt out. People in HR yeah. are fully burnt out. And we can't take one more change. But you have to because mm -hmm. yes. we are going to change and that the things that we've had to deal with starting just let's just go back maybe five to eight years it was not anything that they taught in school or while you were getting your sherm certification or any of the stuff no. had no idea no and, and and i think you and i talked about charlottesville mm -hmm. and mm. i and i was working inside an organization at the time and Charlottesville happened and I had employees reaching out to me just in tears, you know, uh, sobbing with like, what do I do? I don't even know if I can work here anymore because I don't know if I can trust any of my peers who are white. Mm -hmm. And, and we, we had a, an EAP talk, like we did created like a safe space. 
I think I've shared a story where they brought in a white male to lead the conversation. And, and I was adamant, we should not be doing this. It needs to be a person of color. Right. It needs to That's be a person right. of color. No, no, no. They're versed in trauma. It's going to be fine. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, this is not going to go well. That's right. And I wasn't trying to be a jerk. I just was like, mm -hmm. I, you know, if I'm a person of color, I don't want to hear from a white male right now. I'm That's sorry. Right. Um, I am a white woman and I don't want to hear from a white male right now about Charlottesville. And, and so it did not go well. And so then we did find another resource and had a second, you know, second conversation, which was amazing and went very well. But that being said, it's like, that's part of the trust piece too, is as HR folks, we have to be able to go, I need to step in. That's right. I need to say when this is not okay. And I also need to create places where my employees can feel safe and can know that I will protect them and I will be there for them. Even if I don't understand, even if I don't get it and I am, I don't have that lived experience, I'm still going to step in and go, this is not how we should do this or we're not listening to the employees in the way that we should. And I think it's it's just that listening piece that always comes back to me, listening and believing, listening and believing, because I think that's one that we miss so much all the time. But um, Jackie. Ma'am. What's one final thing that you would say about trust, about how to build trust, why trust is so critical? I think that- In this uh, work. I think it's it's one of the things is that you need um, as a diversity professional as you're going in to explain why you're trustworthy. Um, explain those things. It's just as important as your credentials of it's part of your credentials of, of why you're trustworthy and you need to explain. Um, I usually start out explaining the inclusion and how every voice needs to be heard, which usually kind of um, you can see the shoulders go down a little bit and we talk about how like we're not recording this session that's another one don't record all of your sessions unless it's something where you have a guest speaker or something um when you're expecting people to share um and by making sure that as you're going in you have to earn trust so continue to participate in activities that can allow you to earn trust but i think you need to take ownership and sometimes and understand it's going to take time for some people to trust that you're not trying to rock the boat what about you katie mine is be trustworthy mm -hmm. you know i like follow up on your commitments listen learn grow be quiet when you should be quiet um because I think that's one that's also we want to have an answer. We want to know what to do. We want to know how to react. Just be quiet and listen. Um, and that's that is a hard one for me that I have to like work on daily. Um, but I also think just, you know, being trustworthy is so critical because I think that's the miss sometimes is that we want people to trust us. But if we're not worthy of that trust, it won't happen. Um, and so that would be mine is just be trustworthy, be someone that people can trust, they can come to, they can confide in, they can find a safe place with. And I, I want to tell one on us because I think that's good. The, me and Katie, we do these podcasts, right? And we had a situation, we had a situation. We had a situation because I wasn't available. You remember? I wasn't available. And like we trust each other and know that's not a normal situation. And even though it sounded, you know, it could sound crazy, you have to put yourself in their spot and try to pull back and say, okay, this is what's happening, you know? Or right. like there was a time when Katie's like, yeah, I'm not recording today. Like this is what yeah. happened. And you have, and you talk a lot, I hear you a lot saying, I don't have those shared experiences. I think. I think that's overstated where like you have to have those shared experiences. There's so many that we've had in working in neither one of us are in corporate HR, but we've worked in corporate HR for so long that that's why we always are re referring to human resources. I think it's just gets in your blood. Um, and I think it's important to realize that that's what, why you can still maintain those relationships when it doesn't go as you expected. Mm -hmm. Right. 
and you listen so that I can say, Katie can say, hey, we're supposed to meet in 30 minutes. And you can say, I'm still in Austin. And my son can <laughs> be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, here's another idea so that you can continue to have those conversations. Or when her little land shark, and I think she was like having a moment. It's like, you know what? Let's just do that. That's why we have so many times that we didn't, couldn't record, mm -hmm. but talked for two hours anyway. Right, and I mean, and I will even say last weekend, as I think we mentioned this on one of the past episodes, uh, Jackie and I were supposed to go on a fun weekend mm -hmm. and we canceled, I canceled, I should say I canceled um, because of some personal stuff going on with my family and it was the right decision to make. Mm -hmm. Now, do I, am I bummed that I didn't go get to go drink wine with Jackie all weekend? Yes, and will it be rescheduled? Yes but she trusted that it was not me just going, oh, I want to blow it off. Like, right. And, and I've been and practicing wine drinking since right. to prepare. <laughs> I'm better prepared for whenever we go. I'm, I'm just getting I need all to get the on that. I need to get down. on that. Yeah, you should yes. get on that. Absolutely. A Absolutely. little bit of Napa right here in Waco. Uh -huh. <laughs> I feel like Chip and Joanna have it. They have a vineyard somewhere, right? They have to at this point, somewhere at that silent place. There's There'll be, like be a one. Vineyard, um, There'll be one. Magnolia a brewery, wine. A brewery, a, uh, yeah, distillery. <laughs> yeah. Got everything else. So why not? Okay. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Um, hopefully this has helped a little bit as you just think about trust and building trust before you start the work of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And um, building out your strategy and implementing your strategy. Um, having that trust is critical to make things real and to make things work um, for all of your team members. Um, that's all we have to say on this at this time. So thanks for joining us. This is Katie Van Horn. And this is Jackie Clayton. Bye. 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 Adios. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.